everyone. I'm Ian. And I'm Sam. And you're listening to Do I Like This, the podcast. A very special Halloween-ish episode. Some might even call it a fabulous episode. It is a spectacular episode. So this week, we released our episode, and this is something we wanted to do as a special treat. And it's something that Sam has been hunting me down to do for 800 years. So this week, Sam finally sat me down, strapped me to a chair, but not in the fun way. And made me watch Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> <laughs> Are you doing the character for the movie or is it a general laughter? I'm laughing because I'm remembering your face while you were oh, watching my. it. I have a picture of it. I'll post on Instagram. The first thing Sam says to me is the opening endlessly long title scene which was i liked but was very long was playing she looks at me and she goes i'm gonna try my best not to sing along with all of this so you can get the full enjoyment of it for your first time and you did a very good job i did i didn't sing once i was really proud of myself i hummed softly and i danced a little bit but i feel like i did a really good job because i know every Mm -hmm. single piece of dialogue and song lyric from that movie so You're welcome. (laughs) And you are not alone. So for anyone who's listening that hasn't heard of this, the Rocky Horror Picture Show is a, and this is coming from the perspective, coming from somebody who had never seen it before. I knew it as a renowned cult film that had a big live showing, very interactive audience. People like to watch this at midnight at theaters. That was my experience going in, never seeing it before. How, Mm -hmm. how is that? Yeah, that, yeah. So let's do a little background real quick. I Mm -hmm. think I saw this movie maybe like I was maybe like 15 or so um, for the first time. And I had heard of it only once before. My mom had mentioned it in passing. She was talking to another adult and she's like, oh, my God, that movie is crazy. She described Tim Curry's character as a vampire, which (laughs) – if you knew my mom, you would be like, yeah, I could see that 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 she would probably do that. I'm guessing because she either didn't realize that he was like a trans person. Which is impressive because his opening song is I'm a transsexual transvestite. From Transylvania. <laughs> yeah. And he repeats um, that line in dance fashion. It's hard not to get the point. Right. Also, quickly, we know that that term is no longer used. Mm -hmm. It's not okay to say it's just in the context of this movie, which was made in the 70s. So we're just going to correct go from there. So I remember my mom mentioning it. And she kind of talked a little bit about it. And I was like, oh, what? What is that? And then my friend. Stephanie, who I think I've mentioned before, where I watched all the best movies. We were really into Mm -hmm. Interview with the Vampire together as well. She showed me this movie for the first time. And I was like instantly like, "This this is the best thing I've ever seen. I'm obsessed with this. I want to look like Dr. Frankenfurter. His lips... I love his lips in this movie. They're so beautiful. Stephanie, you and I are going to have to have a talk. (laughs) So, yeah. And then, like, we introduced it to all of our friends in our friend group. We all just would watch it all the time. We would, like, dress up with feather boas. We knew the dance at the end, the floor show. Dude, when we were sitting on the couch watching this, I had to try so hard to, like, not do the move. (laughs) 
themselves because I know them. <laughs> <laughs> it just is like, because we did wind up talking about it a, a little bit because it just came. We had a long car ride today. And right. It, it came up in conversation and we were chatting. Usually we try not to talk at all. But I had said, like, it was a really big part of my, like, education, for lack of a better word, as mm-hmm. a young moldable mind and i feel like it was that for it's it's been that for a lot of people over the years which we can talk about later i really wanted you to see it because it felt like first of all everyone should see it and second of all it means so much to me even though i know it's like wacky kooky crazy you're not gonna like love it but I I just really, to me, I was like, you have to see it. Like, you have to have this cultural experience <laughs> at some point in your life. So here we are. We talked about how unique it was to our two different perspectives coming to this movie. Me seeing it for the first time at 37 versus 15 and how mm-hmm. different our points of life and our moldability are. And I equated it in that conversation. I think it's a good point to your Rocky Horror Picture Show experience was mine with horror movies and B-movies and these this genre of film because to me that was like, I was like, oh my God, this is edgy. This is unique. I've never seen anything like this. And it really transformed my view of film and what I really, you know, started to see and appreciate. So while we have different feelings on this film, absolutely, I can totally see the impact it could have on someone at 15, you know, really to open up your eyes into a lot of like, oh my gosh, exposure to these things. And I couldn't imagine what this film was received like in 1975 when it came out compared to seeing it in 2021 for the first time. Right. I'm going to read a short synopsis because I'm working under the impression that most people know what this movie is. Or at least know of it. There's such thing as a short synopsis of this? Yes. Because (laughs) on Wikipedia, it's like five paragraphs long. And I'm just, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get into all of it. I am going to just choose one and hope for the best. Because I did not pre-read any of these. Drum roll, please. Ready. Brad Majors and Janet Weiss, newly engaged stumble into the castle of Dr. Frankenfurter during a rainstorm. Taking refuge in the castle, they're present for the doctor's unveiling of his newest creation, Rocky Horror. Over the course of the night, Frank seduces both Brad and Janet. Janet and Rocky become involved, biblically. Dr. Everett Von Scott arrives looking for his nephew, Eddie, whom Frank killed earlier in the movie. And the guests discover that Frank is actually an alien, a, quote, transvestite from the planet transsexual in the galaxy of Transylvania, who has succeeded in creating the sonic transducer, an audio vibratory physiomolecular transport device capable of breaking down solid matter and then projecting it through space. And who knows, perhaps even time. Frank chases Janet, Brad, and Dr. Scott. The resulting chase ends when everybody but Frank gets frozen. Enter the floor show, which turns into the horrifying deaths of Frank, Columbia, and Rocky, and the castle blasting off back to Transylvania. Brad, Janet, and Dr. Scott survive to leave with torn clothes and battered bodies. Sure. Sure. 
Sure. I guess I want to start as this, I was the Rocky horror virgin for this movie. So I have weirdly mixed feelings on this. I'll be open up front. There are some things I liked. There are some things I didn't like. The thing that I struggled with the most is this is such a fractured clusterfuck of a story. Yep. And Sam made the great point to me that this was a Broadway show first and it was brought to the theater. And I can absolutely see that in watching it. But even then, for what you all just heard, that synopsis <laughs> doesn't even get into all the shit that happens in this movie. It is a pinball machine. It is a wild ride. I did warn you before we sat down that it's a wild ride. You did. It's a love letter to all of those campy as fuck horror sci-fi movies, you know, of the era before. The guy who played Riff Raff actually wrote the Broadway show and he was mm-hmm. co-writer for the movie. So he, you know, it's his movie basically in some ways and it's his show and he is a very quirky man very quirky man i would be stunned if the creator and writer of this was not quirky in some way right because you have the whole opening song which i know you liked because it has Mm -hmm, lots of little like mentions of the old school sci-fi and horror movies it's a good song just in general and in general all the songs in this movie for me anyway are good songs. It's a good musical. So watching this, the way that I watched it with you, I sat back. I wasn't singing. (laughs) I wasn't like dancing. I wasn't like getting immersive as you do with this movie typically. And I was trying to be really objective, like what I would see if I was watching this for the first time, like you were. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it, I was laughing at things I didn't usually laugh at and Mm. I was noticing things that, you know, I always noticed, but I was appreciating them in a different way. And I was making a couple of comments to you during it. I was like, Oh, that's a really great reveal or, you know, the continuity of some things that they would set up and then pay off was very well done in a lot of ways. Yeah. So it was interesting for me to watch it this way. And to watch you watching it, because I knew you weren't going to love it. I knew that. Mm-hmm. But I knew that you were going to be able to appreciate it more so than, say, Watership Down. Interesting question for you. What made you think I wasn't going to love it? Because it's wacky as fuck. <laughs> Have you seen the movies I bring you? But in a way that's like, you're not really like campy wacky you know what i mean you're you're into a different type of of like silly this is kind of over the top on purpose it's got a lot of tongue-in-cheek there's a lot of breaking the fourth wall lots of stuff that i know that you're not a huge fan of Mm, that's fair i'm not a fourth wall fan we also talked about it today and we'll talk about it again right now how sometimes it's really difficult to watch a musical because if you don't know the songs, it, it kind of takes you out of it and it's harder to appreciate. Well, let's jump in on that point because we, one of the things that I disliked the most was the narrator. And do you want to explain him and his role? And then I'll kind of touch on what bothered me about that. So he's the criminologist, Ian. That's what he's called. 
and he mm-hmm. has no neck. He wears a beautiful sparkly cravat. <laughs> he just sort of serves as your chorus. Like if you're watching a play, you have someone come on and they drive the narrative a little bit. And he's just giving you the background. And sure, maybe he wasn't necessary, but I've... I actually never disliked it. It never was jarring to me. I never had a problem with it. So when you mentioned that specifically, I was like, oh, really? I always kind of thought he was, I always kind of thought he was like an interesting piece that was, that was kind of giving you a little bit of like what happened after, because there was obviously like a police investigation, you know? I think my feelings on that, and you mentioned it uniquely, is it reminded you of Until Dawn. Uh-huh. One of our favorite video games we've ever played where in between sections of the game, you have this sit down with a therapist sort of criminologist kind of adjacent character talking about what's happening, your decisions, what they might do in the future. And your point, which I think is probably pretty accurate, is that was probably based on this in some ways. It works in a video game for me because a video game is structured to levels, to breaks, to pauses, to interjections like that. I really struggled with it because in the theater, I get it. You you have limitations of the medium. You can't do some things. You need to move things forward. In movies with the ability to edit, it's not live, with the ability to use sets and all these different... I just... It's a visual medium. These are things you can show me instead of tell me. And I guess I get frustrated with too much exposition which is this felt like to me it's the same reason i don't really like opening other than star wars opening like scroll cards about like a a text block like 20 years ago in the future russia and all these it's like i don't want uh, tell me the story show me the story don't read me the story off so that that bothered me he he redeemed himself a little when he danced on the table during the time (laughs) warp i will say that though and it's not the actor's fault his line at the end about um, and crawling on the planet's face. Some that insects called line. the human race. I'll give it yeah. that. That was a good line. That's, um, that's one yeah. of my favorites. So it's a credit where it's due. I just overall not a fan. I think it's just a personal preference thing because mm-hmm. I personally don't mind that sort of exposition. It doesn't bother me. I also was like raised with theater people. So I'm used to it. And also we were talking, we were actually talking with my parents today about it. And my dad made a good point. He's like, I don't know if I've ever really seen a successful play adaptation to movie, except like West Side Story or something. He's like, there's always something missing. You're always Mm going to get like too much or too little or something is weird. It's just really difficult to do, which I get. And this movie bombed hard initially, like really bombed. It's still like if you go online, it's got like a seven out of 10 or, you know, whatever. It's not universally loved. I think it's just universally appreciated and it's a fun time. You know, it's more fun than anything. Are you telling me this is the future for the new Cats movie in 20 years? Absolutely not at all. I watched like (laughs) four minutes of that movie. You watched it over my shoulder. Yeah. And I was totally horrified by the the cat boobs and buttholes uh among other things yeah that was so bad i couldn't stop watching the whole thing it, it it's the train wreck syndrome 
but I agree with you. Now let's move again. I did not dislike this movie. Don't get me wrong. I, I just, there were some things I struggled in. The story was a big issue of it. Something I absolutely loved. Let's just put this on the table. Tim Curry is magic. <gasps> oh my God. He's so good. To quote your stepmom, everything in yes, this role, everything. And nobody can replace him. I refuse to watch no. the remake. I can't do it. I'm sure Laverne Cox was wonderful. She's beautiful and talented, and I don't ha- don't care. I don't want to watch it. I don't think you can improve upon it. <laughs> Tim Curry is perfection. He looks amazing. He sounds amazing. His makeup, his hair, his body language. I just he's just so good. His presence is perfect. This is a weird comparison, but it falls. This is a better performance, mind you, than what I'm about to say. But it's like Ruby Rod in The Fifth Element. No one could ever do that role the way Chris Tucker did that role. There are sometimes roles out there like you just can't replace it. It's everything happened at the time, the place. It was perfect. This was one of them. Yeah, he's like, I said it today, I don't find him attractive in any way whatsoever. Like, I just don't. He's certainly not my type. In this movie, he's like very like sexy and sensual and like you're, he's attractive. And it's because he has that like swagger and the, like everything is just so, you know, he just has that presence that you can't, you can't stop looking at him. This is not your Home Alone 2, Tim Curry, folks. No, it is certainly not. <laughs> that would be amazing if it if uh, Dr. Frankenfurter was the, the Home Alone. At, uh, <laughs> at Trump Hotel in 1990s. Dude, yeah. his, his outfit from the first half the, with the, the corset and the shiny like arm mm-hmm. glove things and the sparkly rip tights. Dude, I wanted to like wear that every day of my life when I was a teenager. I still would wear that. Like if if you gave me that outfit, I, I don't care how big my pregnant belly is, put me in it because it's fucking cool. Amazon, make this happen. <laughs> Alexa. <laughs> don't say that too loud. She's always listening. I actually I appreciate that costume. I really <laughs> liked his costume when he when he had the surgical um, gown on with the oh, yeah. gloves. I really thought that look uh, juxtaposed with his head, his makeup, and it was really good. Yeah. So one of the things I do want to say about this movie is that I think one of the reasons why it's so successful as a cult movie, and we mm-hmm. and again we talked about this. Say we're talking about it with my stepmom. It filled this void for underground, sort of counterculture, punky, edgy people that were kind of on the outskirts of society. And when they saw this, they're like, oh, yeah, me too, you know? And and I think 15-year-old me felt a little bit of that because I was like, you know, I always like make a joke like I was like a weird goth kid or whatever. But really, I was into that sort of stuff. I was into like sci-fi horror, like weird shit, like, like quirky clothing. And I grew up on my dad's side anyway, like everybody was really open-minded. I grew up around different types of people of all different walks of life. They had friends who were in the LGBTQ community. And even though I didn't really understand it very well when I was young, like, you know, it was just something I was exposed to. And so this movie 
kind of opened up more of the world to me, I feel like, for me. Mm -hmm. And so I can only imagine what it must have done for people who were gay, bisexual, trans. Fluid and didn't have a label. Yeah, Right. Like, oh, yes. Like, that's me. Like, I'm seeing myself and it's okay and it's Mm -hmm. fucking cool on top of it, you know? Yeah. And they're powerful and they're just doing whatever they want unapologetic and they're living their lives. Yeah. And so I think that is, I know that that's a big part of it for other people, but for me, that's a piece of it too. And because a lot of the imagery in the movie, if, if you've watched it as many times as some of us crazy people have, you notice like little things like Rocky's tank is the rainbow flag. Dr. Frankenfurter Mm -hmm. has the pink triangle, you know? So there's lots of like, LGBTQ imagery in it. There's things that were kind of ahead of its time. Like they played the wedding march for Rocky and Dr. Frankenfurter well before anyone was thinking about gay marriage. You know what I mean? So it's like, Mm -hmm. there's, there's just lots of little things tossed in there that I think really fueled that feeling like, Oh, there's nothing wrong with me. Other people like this exist on this planet. Like, yeah, they're, they're, these, these are like caricatures, but still it gave like, you know, a little bit more of a voice. A sense of place and the value of seeing your representation reflected back in entertainment and media is so important for that. Just the human relatability to be like, Mm -hmm. I'm not alone. And that's what I really appreciate about this is, is the role it played in its place and time and still does. And a lot of the movies that were mentioned or that were homaged are like really iconic LGBTQ, like Faye Ray from King Kong, Flash Gordon, like all kinds of little stuff like that. And so it it kind of gives this whole other piece to it, which is really fun. And then you get to see these like closed-minded little torpy people, you know, Susan Sarandon Mm -hmm. and Barry Bostwick, like gradually start to open their minds and just become like who they want to be. And they're having fun and they're loosening up and everybody's having a good time. And it doesn't end well for everyone. For anyone. For anyone. (laughs) But still like. Riff Raff does okay, I guess. Yeah, he does pretty good. But, you know, I think at the end of the day, this movie is just fun. And I think the best way to enjoy it is probably like an immersive experience with a bunch of people. You know what I mean? To me, this movie is a buffet. It's meant to be shared communally. Mm, Yes, I like that. Because it's got so many pieces and so many different parts for people to pick and choose what, like for me, I think that is the way I would enjoy this movie better because there were parts where I was absolutely time warp, the opening credits, the end song show, the whole performance mm-hmm. were my f- favorite part. Uh, and, and Eddie, were my favorite parts, but like there was a real lag mm-hmm. in the middle three quarter, like the, the half to middle end before that song that I really was just like, you so, probably saw my face. I was like, yes. is it over? Is this going <laughs> on? Like, come the fuck on. You were bored out of your mind. All the stuff until from Dr. Scott getting there until he displays his wonderful tights at the end, like that whole chunk minus the dinner table reveal. 
I hated. Yeah. You know, I wanted to be gone, but I really enjoyed a lot of the stuff early on. I really enjoyed the ending. So in that buffet style, I could take, if I was with other people who were enjoying other parts, I think I would get enjoyment from what they're enjoying, mm-hmm. at the parts that I don't love. And then sharing that experience, I think I would like it a lot more. Right. Listen, when Dr. Scott pulls back his little lap blanket to reveal his sparkly tights and and goes, for the thrills, I don't think there's anyone in the world who can appreciate that. Well, and because he's like trying, he's like, I'm the last one. I must fight it because, and then like the reveal and you're like, oh, that's good. Like, it's really good. It's good. I want to talk about Barry Boswick and Susan Sarandon. I only saw them in my life until this movie as their adult grown up selves. So it was really fun and interesting to me to see them earlier on in this much riskier role, like being much more... Not that they aren't creative now, but in this much more creative, outgoing, risque role. And it gave me a a more of appreciation for them as actors because it's something I'd never seen them in as, you know, their adult roles. (laughs) Well, it's funny. So... I mean, when by the time I had seen it, I had seen Susan Sarandon in a few things. I had never seen – I didn't even know who Barry Bostwick was. So the Susan Sarandon thing to me is, was always funny. Like, oh, that's that lady who plays like serious Oscar-winning roles. Yeah. And then after I had seen it – Creature of the night. <laughs> Barry Bostwick was like on TV in some TV show – and I was like, holy shit, that's Brad Majors. No, I can't even watch this because all I'm picturing is, damn it, Janet, I love you. <laughs> so you promise you won't tell Jenny? Oh, God. Who? Who's Jenny? Oh, the scene when he's making love to, oh, Janet, I'm sorry. <laughs> Janet. <laughs> Janet. Eh. Would you call that making love? No, I I almost I would call that borderline rape, but I think most people would in this day and age. Uh, mm. You know, uh, there's a lot in this movie that you wouldn't get away with now, probably, and I think that may if when I haven't seen the remake, I don't know, I don't know if they handled it differently because it really is like it's not quite consensual, but you know, it's also one yeah. of those things where. This movie is like campy, shticky, like it's supposed to be like uncomfortable sexual taboos. So I know what they're going for. And I've seen it so many times that I'm sort of desensitized to it, I guess. I don't think it's intended to be as rapey as it comes off. I think it's intended to be, I'm trying to expose these two very closed people to push their boundaries to see more of the world to realize there's more beyond just the cookie cutter you know life that they're living and i also want to sleep with you because i'm a i'm a a sexy person i think dr frankenfurter just wanted to get his dick wet let's be serious He, he he had ulterior motives he wanted his dick as wet as his lips yes those shiny ass maroon lips I love him. Sparkly. I did crack up each time when he's like, to each of them, he's like, you don't want him to see you like this? And he flips them up. <laughs> that cracked me up. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I, I think I described it to you as, you know, it's it's in the same vein as John Waters. Like, it's stuff mm-hmm. that is like way out there that a lot of people are probably like, what the fuck is this? But that is 
enjoyable because it like pushes that envelope and it walks that line and it's just wacky for the sake of being wacky. So let's talk now for a second about my favorite character in the movie, which is Eddie. Baby Meatloaf. Oh my God. <laughs> what a wonderful scene. That easily my favorite scene in the film. Mm-hmm. It's a good one. Uh, could you describe the scene? So Dr. Frankenfurter has just revealed his creation, Rocky. His Aryan fantasy. Yes. Yes, actually. That was intentional. He's revealed his creation and he's talking about, I'm going to fucking bang you, basically. And then all of a sudden, out of uh, a, a meat cooler, says deep freeze on it, comes baby meatloaf on a motorcycle, like rockabilly style, with the pompadour and the leather vest and the jeans rolled up. He's got a big cut across his head. He's straight out of Greece. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he's obviously had like the brain surgery because later on they say that Rocky and Eddie shared a brain. The brain surgery. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yes, I'm here for the brain surgery. So he comes out and starts tooling around on his motorcycle. Columbia, who's one of the groupies, she gets all excited because that's her man. And he comes out and sings this like you know, rock and roll song, which is one of the best songs on the soundtrack, in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that song. It was so hard to not like sing along to it. (laughs) He's like blasting his motorcycle around the room, chasing the party goers, and Tim Curry's getting fucking pissed. Well, he gets really pissed because Rocky is dancing to the song, and he's like, uh, oh, I didn't catch that. No. No. It's because it's the other half of the brain's connecting. And I think that Dr. Frankenfurter is very fickle and very jealous. And he's like, Mm -hmm. this is my man. I don't want him to look at anybody. I don't want him to sing your song. I don't want him to be impressed by your sexy motorcycle. It was a sexy motorcycle. I'm going to kill you. Yeah. (laughs) So hard. This is what I loved because so he assaults Eddie he murders him. He murders him with he, an axe. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, 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 wait. I'm going to get there. I'm going to get okay. there. So he assaults Eddie, knocks him like off the bike. Eddie's like stumbling back into the deep freeze. Tim Curry maniacally like holds up this ice pick. And then you're like, wait, what? Because this movie has been campy, but it hasn't been violent. It's not an ice pick. It's like an axe. It's like, yeah, it's like a, a ice a pickaxe. climber's pickaxe. Yeah. yeah. And he walks into there and just violently starts slashing him and like bludgeoning him with it. And you get this great shot of all the party guests being like horrified. And then he just walks out casually with these bloody gloves, like Dexter, calm as the, the day is long. And I was like, that was fucking great. And he's like, mm-hmm. fucking great. One from the vaults. <laughs> yeah, and everyone laughs, and it's like blood spattered behind yeah. him. And he looks at his assistant, and he like nods, and she has to take off his gross gloves. It was great. It was a great scene. Yeah, I love that. I love that too because you go from this silly, wacky kind of joyful romp to straight up bloody murder. Clockwork Orange for a minute, and then a couple scenes later, you get the cannibal scene where they're all at the dinner table. Oh, my other favorite! So they go to the dinner table, and Doctor Scott has shown up, and Doctor Scott is Eddie's uncle who has come looking for him. 
and he explains through song that Eddie had written a note like, hey, you got to come save me. They're fucking aliens and they're going to come do something terrible and they're going to kill me. Oh, yeah, isn't Dr. Scott in the FBI searching for aliens? Oh, yeah, he's that's another thing, like another silly thing. Like, <laughs> Dr. He's Scott movie, man. is part of like the Federal Bureau of Alien Finders. I don't know. He also happened to be Barry and Janet's high school science teacher. Like, it's just hilariously done. It really is. And it was definitely intentional that it was so silly. Oh, yes. So they're having dinner and they had like Frankenfurter had cut up some meat and literally slapped it on everybody's plates. It looked like a turkey at first. It was like a ham hock. Turns out it's a big slice of meatloaf. (laughs) <laughs> Ooh, how do we find out? Because Dr. Scott says we came here to talk about Eddie. And Frank goes, hmm, that's a tender subject. Would anyone like another piece? <sighs> and everyone's like, uh, what? And Eddie's girlfriend picks up on it instantly and storms out angrily. And all of a sudden, as everyone's in the chaos, Dr. Frankfurter rips the tablecloth away. And underneath it is in an open casket, the mutilated body of eddie with like organs falling out it was fucking perfect oh so funny and so fun fact about that the only Mm -hmm. people who knew that that was going to happen were meatloaf riffraff because he was like writer and all this stuff and tim curry everybody else had no idea that that was happening and they all like their reactions were totally genuine like holy fuck (laughs) see Blair Witch that's how you surprise your actors okay that's what I'm talking about right this movie when it does when everything hits perfectly like this it's fantastic Mm -hmm. like I said though for me it was buffet style it was hit or miss in a lot of spots I think for me the music is my favorite part because I love musicals I love music I just really love the music and I had said to you last night my very favorite song is the one at the end, the song that Tim Curry sings before he gets murdered. I'm coming home because I just think it's just, first of all, lyrically like a really good song. He does, he's like tremendous singing that song. He has such an incredible singing voice that you wouldn't really imagine, I think, if you're just watching him in any other movie, like, you know, Home Alone 2. You wouldn't think he could give you a Freddie Mercury. He does, though. Like, that's the vibe he gives. I actually, mm-hmm. that's like spot on. I've never said, I, ne- I don't think I ever said that to you, but that is always kind of what I think of when I hear him sing. From the opening shot of the film, it's what I connected with instantly. Mm-hmm. They, have a, they have the same sort of like presence and like that, you know, um, I, listen, I'm not a singer. I don't know the names like the word I'm thinking of it's like vibrato like voice like that like Mm -hmm. it's just so good it like fills the room it's got a resonance to it that's unbelievable and interestingly enough the way their mouths move and this is something that as someone as a singer I kind of actually pay a little attention to is everyone sings very uniquely and mouth structure the way you structure your mouth to make sound come out is very similar and I found that very unique yeah so that song to me, I've always really liked. I thought I've always thought it was like a, a really like sad and beautiful, like melancholic. I just always have loved that song. And I love how it's staged and you can picture it on a stage. You know, you can picture it in a theater. And I've always thought to myself, I would love to see that song 
being performed live on a stage because I think it's the most besides like the whole showgirls floor show it's mm-hmm. to me is the most like Broadway type theatrical performance of the show I just really love it so much if you're staging that as someone who is only acted in a high school play a couple times, like not really experienced at all. Is that something where you would actually stage out in the audience the way totally. the scene is done? Yeah, that's how I would too. Yeah. It would be really cool. Okay, That's just what I imagine. Listen, I've never staged anything. I grew up around other people staging things and like being backstage and watching them stage things. But yeah, that's how I picture it. I picture the person like walking into the audience to perform the song. And I picture our two aliens at that point coming out of the back of the theater to stop him the way they do mm-hmm. in that theater. Yeah. Yeah. And those two, their outfits at the end, girl. Oh, A plus. A plus. Oh, God. I I love them so much because His they're like- ponytail th- knob thing. The flip forward. What is that? Not to mention they're wearing like the stockings with garters and high heels underneath yeah. the like really classic alien looking- Tunics. It's fun. So good. I really, I loved the mansion, the castle taking off into space. Oh my um, God. I enjoyed that ending. The castle spaceship. I liked the King Kong reference with Rocky mm-hmm. carrying Tim Curry's body up the radio tower. Yes. Like they did some really good things. How he's growling. Like, Arr! 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 Yeah, it was, was good. So good. And that's, those are the things I love about this movie because it does throw mm-hmm. those little pieces at you. Because it obviously was created by someone who really loves the genre, like the sci-fi, horror, silly, campy genre. So this week, I could say, do I like this? Sort of. I really like parts of it. I really didn't like parts of it. I absolutely want to see it in a midnight showing in a crowd Mm -hmm. of people who are passionate about it. Because I can see how the experience could be really, really invigorating. So I would love to see it that way. I am absolutely mesmerized by Tim Curry. Mm -hmm. I really like some of the songs. I really wish the story was just less choppy and jumpy (laughs) and they got rid of the narrator. So would I, would I recommend seeing it? Yes, absolutely. Of course you have to see this movie. You have to see this. You have to just, if anything, just to be like involved in the zeitgeist, like you have to know Mm -hmm. what other people are referencing because the, one of the reasons why I needed Ian to see this is because I (laughs) regularly will reference this movie and I'm like, never mind, You don't even know what I'm talking about. Ugh. Yep. (laughs) But here's my question for you. Sure. When we, when we go to see a midnight showing of this movie probably next year at the theater because we mm-hmm. have a local theater who does it every year. Who are you going to dress up as? Oh, I told you this earlier today. I want to get a wheelchair and be Dr. Scott with my legs fabulously <laughs> dressed up underneath the blanket so I can do that reveal. I, I think totally that would be the most fucking that. cool thing to do ever because he's yes. like business suit from the top, party on the bottom, hidden under uh-huh. a blanket. A little tartan blanket. Like, how many chances in life do you get to surprise people like that? That would be my first choice. If I can't get a wheelchair and I'm not able to, um, I really like the idea of, of being riffraff because I think the hunch, the really kooky, like, going from, like, calm to maniacal in the singing is fun. <laughs> yes. Yes. And obviously, who do you think I would be? I mean, you obviously want to be Dr. Frankenfurter. Duh. 
you've told me you want his that that lip shine and that makeup. <laughs> I, I totally get it too. It's a fabulous performance. I think you would be fun, uh, a fun Eddie on the motorcycle. I think you Ooh, could have fun yeah. with that character too. I definitely could. I especially with the belly I've got now, I could totally be. <laughs> Meatloaf on a motorcycle. Dude, young Meatloaf for Meatloaf. <laughs> that was probably his fit phase, and he didn't look too bad. No, he didn't. He, he didn't look bad at all. He actually, I think he is actually fit right now, like as old Meatloaf. I didn't know he was still alive. That's news to me. Shut up. Yes, you did. Dude, I, when was the last time I thought about Meatloaf? Come on. <laughs> I, I think he, <laughs> I think a lot of people think of him as like this overweight like monster because of fight bad club. out of hell meatloaf well yeah. bad out of hell and fight club because he played bob with bitch tits oh yeah so god i think that's Shit. a lot of and also meatloaf to me just means like dude you named yourself after a hearty ass meal yeah i just assume <laughs> I you're like covered in gravy with biscuits and you're not gonna be you know six-pack abs you're not blt on white rap like you know <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but you're a fucking amazing singer and I enjoy you very much. Uh, yeah, I know. I think he's like I think he's a yucky conservative. I was about to say I really hope your politics are good. Because right, I might have to change that stance. It matters these days. It really does. It does. So there you have it. I am no longer blind to the world of Rocky Horror Picture Show. You're no longer a Rocky Horror Virgin. Just like Susan Sarandon isn't by the end of that film. <laughs> and obviously, like, I have a special place in my heart for this movie because of the time and place where I had seen it. As an adult, I still enjoy it. I turned the music on today to listen to, and our daughter was mesmerized. And I was like, she's definitely yeah, mine. <laughs> definitely yours. Uh, I do want to say I forgot because I shouted out while we we're doing this. I really enjoyed the Creature of the Night susan sarandon song where she's like i'm coming out of my shell bang me random creature of the night my standards are nothing like that song was fun yeah it's a it's a great show it's a great because it's because for me it's not like a movie it's a show it's an experience it's just fun as shit is really what it is yes it absolutely is so next week we begin a whole new month Oh we're out God. of the Sam backlog almost oh because we're kind of starting it with one that you've seen that I've wanted to see. And then we're getting into some deep cuts that I'm bringing you that I'm really oh excited about. We're getting much more horror, much more sci-fi. Mm -hmm. It's going to be good. It's going to be wild. Is really it's really actually going to be bad, but you'll have to yes. tune in next week to get more. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please. If you like us five-star review on Apple podcast means a lot to us for our visibility you can follow us all our socials are in the episode notes do i like this podcast.com is our website thanks again for listening uh we look forward to speaking at you next week yeah bye And that will mean I'm there.